I think loyalty is a good quality, but it, it should only go so far, especially when it's unearned. And, and Doug Peterson's loyalty to Carson Wentz, it, it's going past the point of where it feels deserved. I mean, they didn't even win the Super Bowl with him. It was all fulls. And, and this dude, Carson Wentz, is god-awful. No joke. Every snap that he plays for the rest of 2020 is an indictment on Doug Peterson as a coach. And as a man, I mean, he's just proving himself to be the ultimate beta. It's time to free Jalen Hurts. And it feels like he might have missed his window by not starting him in this game that he was supposed to see more snaps against Seattle at home. Now he's got, you know, the next couple of games, the Packers on the road can't start Jalen Hurts there, you know, at home against the Saints. I don't think you want to send him out there against the Saints defense and then on the road to Arizona. I mean, I think the most realistic thing is that we see Hurts in either week 16 on the road against Dallas or maybe in their final game of the year at home against a soft Washington team. But even that, it just seems like a stretch. I know there's cap concerns and contract concerns with Wentz. But man, it is time to free Jalen Hurts because Carson Wentz is not it. Carson Wentz is definitely trash, but you love Jalen Hurts. Love him. Well, why why do you love him so much? I mean, it's not like he's a franchise quarterback. It's not like he's going to come in and save this team. Well, Wentz isn't. (laughs) (laughs) You're definitely not wrong, but... From a playoff standpoint, the Eagles feel like Carson Wentz gives them the best shot to win the division rather than switching to Jalen Hurts midseason, especially in a terrible division. You know, realistically, they couldn't have a five win team in the playoffs, which is absolutely disgusting. But God, you you love Jalen Hurts. I didn't know you were such a Jalen Hurts fan. Well, I mean, while Carson Wentz may theoretically give the Eagles the best opportunity to make the playoffs, Jalen Hurts starting theoretically gives me the best opportunity to make a return on the investment in all these Jalen Hurts cards I've been buying up off eBay <laughs> like a madman for the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, so you're in, you're into the sports cards now, huh? We're gonna turn I mean, this right, into a right sports now, card podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, we're going to be looking for ways to fill content. Maybe we'll do some breaks in, in the offseason. <laughs> some breaks. Yeah, uh, but Jalen Hurts rookie cards, are are they the wave or, or what? Should I buy some? I think so. I would. I mean, they're cheaper than Tua and Herbert and Burrow. And I mean, if, if he's starting by 2021, that value is only going up. I mean, that from somebody who knows literally nothing about sports cards. But that's just how I feel. <laughs> All right. listeners buy some Jalen Hurts rookie cards while they're dirt cheap and just sail to the money what's going on everybody welcome to episode 112 of the dfs dose podcast your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis i'm your host ben hover joined as i always am by joey carrion and on today's show we are going to preview the week 13 main slate on DraftKings. as we always do we will start off with some slate specifics see what vegas is telling us about the week we'll talk some chalk give our thoughts on optimal cash game lineup construction, as well as our preferred tournament strategies for the weeks, stacks, leverage, and long shots. Finally, we'll close out the show with our best bets. But before we get into any of that, Joey, would you mind telling the people how they can support the podcast? You can help support the DFS Dose by following us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. That's where we tweet out all links to our content, including YouTube videos or clips, Uh, Ben's cash pool article, which comes out every single Friday, and then links to this podcast that you are listening to. So make sure you are following us over there to keep up to date with everything that we're doing. And then you can also help support the podcast by just making sure you are subscribed to said podcast on whatever podcast app you use, whether that be Apple or Spotify or SoundCloud. Just make sure you are following and or subscribed. Another way you can help support the DFS Dose is by subscribing to our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. Ben and I both drop videos each and every single week. I drop a video on the Millie Maker specifically. Ben does his cash pool video every single Friday on there. And then we also upload clips 
from this podcast if you don't want to listen to the whole thing. I mean, I think you should, but if you don't, you can always go and you can watch a couple clips of players that we like for this specific week or that we're going to fade or our favorite stack. So make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. Yeah, and uh, make sure you are also joined to our free Discord channel. The link to hop in there is in the description to this podcast. And I mean, Joey, we haven't even talked about it, but I feel like we'll probably do some kind of show or maybe like a YouTube clip about the uh, the three-game Monday to Tuesday slate, assuming they release it. I mean, right now, they haven't even put it out. I know that it's because the Steelers and Ravens game hasn't concluded, but personally, I'm hoping that they do a three-game slate with the two Monday games and a Tuesday game. If if it's only a two-game slate, we probably won't do a full podcast on it, but we'll at least put, put something on YouTube to cover yeah. the main plays. We'll definitely have something over there for the slate on Monday slash Tuesday if it comes out like that. But my lean right now, if I had to guess, I think they're only going to do a, do a two-game slate for Monday and then just run a showdown for Tuesday uh, because they don't want people's money being held up overnight in that in that contest. Yeah. So I could see them just doing the two-gamer, and we would put something on YouTube for that specifically. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. Definitely. But as we are currently focused right now, let's dive into the main slate. And from a Vegas perspective, this is an 11-game main slate with seven games early and four games in the afternoon. On DraftKings, it still currently reads as a 12-game slate, but Washington at Pittsburgh has been postponed and will no longer crew fantasy points on the main slate. So on this week, there are only three games with totals above 50. The top five implied team totals on the week start off with Minnesota at 30.5. After that, we've got Tennessee, 29.75, Seattle, 29, Green Bay, 28, and the Vegas Raiders appearing in the top five for the second straight week at 27.25. The first thing that stands out to me when I look at these totals uh, from a Vegas side is that our top three games, quote unquote, you know, the three Mm -hmm. games with totals above 50, there's really only one quarterback that I'm even mildly excited to play out of the six starters, and that's Deshaun Watson. The other five guys in these games are Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, Mike Glennon, Kirk Cousins, and Phillip Rivers, who are all, you know, relatively uninspiring DFS plays. Yeah, I think the quarterback pool this week is definitely weaker than weeks prior, and it's going to make for an interesting lineup construction since there are hardly any quarterbacks to pay up for, which we have been doing for most of the season, is trying to fit those high-ceiling, high-priced QBs in. But this week, it's looking like the value is paying down to quarterback, or paying down at quarterback, I should say, with a couple of guys that are 6k and under in pretty good spots and I think that kind of resembles the entire slate in my opinion like there's not many good games or games that I like I should say but there are teams in good spots specifically for example like the Raiders are in a good spot the Bears are in a good spot it's going to make for an interesting slate and an interesting uh, roster construction for cash games and for tournaments, I think. In tournaments, do you think that people will be more likely to perhaps stack offenses that have strong totals opposed to games with strong totals? Like something that stands out to me is like Seattle having a 29 implied team total, but they're 10 point favorites over the Giants. And then we have the Packers in a similar situation with a 28 total but nine point favorites against the Eagles. So I could see people like stacking those offenses heavily, but perhaps, you know, only bringing it back with one player or, or just, you know, trying to get exposure to strong teams, but not necessarily the games they're involved with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like every, everybody's usually going to stack the high powered offenses like Seattle, Arizona every week, right? That, that's just how it's been this season. But I think we could see more stacks of some of these lower total teams just because like I just said some some of these games or some of these teams in these games are in good spots like for example the Miami Dolphins are in a very good spot at home against Cincinnati but they're one of the lowest total games on the slate if not the lowest but I still think people will stack the Dolphins in tournaments because they're in a good spot specifically and they have a solid team total so I think we could see that this week where people play stacks of guys like Kirk Cousins who's 64 play stacks of Fitzpatrick and Derek Carr and, and even Jared Goff in a good spot so that that's how I think tournaments will go for week 13. 
All right, well, we can transition right here into Chalk Talk and start off with Ryan Fitzpatrick since, you know, you brought up the Dolphins, and I do think that he will be one of the highest-owned quarterbacks on the slate coming in at 6K flat. Saw a $500 boost from the 5500 price tag that we had last week at home against Cincy with an implied team total above 26. Are, are you feeling Ryan Fitz this week? Yeah, I think Ryan Fitz is definitely a good option. He's gone over 18 DraftKings points in every single game that he started this season besides one, and that was week one against New England. So you're getting a very high floor quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick at only 6,000 on a slate where we might need to save salary if once we get into the other positions. So I, I like him a lot at 6,000. Um, I think he is going to be one of the higher owned quarterbacks this week. He was chalk last week and he was only 5,500 and 6,000 is only a $500 price increase. I expect him to have solid ownership this week and I think he is a phenomenal play against a Cincinnati defense that just gives up points to anybody on opposing offenses, literally opposing running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, you name it. So this is this is a very good spot for for Fitzpatrick and 6000 is too cheap for him in my opinion. I think I'm a little less bullish on Fitzpatrick and while the Cincinnati team still profiles as weak in most aspects especially on defense, I, I think it's worth noting that they went from a team that were operating at a top 10 pace to a bottom 10 pace in their first game without Joe Burrow. So, you know, I think that while the matchup will definitely look good on paper, there are some reasons to think that, you know, with Miami as, you know, more than 10 points favorites I think it's at 11 and a half right now that this game won't be so great for fantasy purposes especially with the low total and there are some other options that are even cheaper than Fitzpatrick that I think make a lot of sense although I'm not projecting them to be chalk so we can talk about that a little bit more later in the show when we talk about cash game construction if Fitz is drawing a lot of ownership are there any other players that you think will come in with a lot of ownership perhaps Aaron Rodgers at 6800 or Deshaun Watson although his price is bordering on prohibitive at 75 yeah, I don't think anybody is going to pay 7500 or more for a quarterback this week, especially when you have two 9K running backs that are both in play for cash games, which we'll get into in a bit. But I think that I disagree with you. Uh, on the cheap quarterbacks not being popular, or I should say one other cheap quarterback that won't be popular, but I think will be popular and could be the highest owned quarterback, and that is Mitchell Trubisky, 5,400 at home against Detroit. Are you vibing with your boy Mitchell Trubisky, the guy who won you a tournament in week one? of this season. 100% I'm vibing with him. Look, I mean, the only point I was trying to make is that I don't know how popular Trubisky, aka Trash Biscuit, will be in (laughs) this spot, but I absolutely love him. I mean, I I definitely am leaning to play him over Fitzpatrick and Cash, and of course I have to run it back after he won me the tourney week one against my own favorite team, the Detroit Lions. Now he gets them again, a team that he's absolutely dominated. Of course, I'm on the Mitch Trubisky bandwagon, and I'm going to be on it heavy this week. Yeah, and I I think a lot of people will be on that same bandwagon with you. And just talking about him dominating the lions i have i have the stats right here if you want if you want to hear the stats so yeah shout out bears wire usa today Dwayne burleson article give him credit where credit's due mitchell trubisky has owned the lions in six career games trubisky has posted a 106.0 passer rating where he's completed 67.5 percent of his passes for 1600 yards 14 touchdowns and four interceptions most impressive in his last four games against the Lions, Trubisky has thrown 12 touchdowns to one interception. All of them wins. So Trubisky has absolutely dominated the Lions. He's been, you know, one of the better quarterbacks when he's faced the Lions in, in terms of fantasy. I think he's clearly in play at 5,400, and I think he will rival Fitzpatrick in terms of being the highest owned cash game quarterback, especially on a week where we're going we're gonna to need to save salary somewhere. And if we can get Trubisky, uh, who, who's a god against the Lions, although that's that's kind of terrible fantasy advice, uh, just looking at a specific matchup, it is a large sample size, and he has had success against the Lions. So I, I think I'm comfortable playing Trubisky at 5,400 over 
Ryan Fitzpatrick at 6,000 this week. And I think that game is going to have a slightly like better scoring environment yeah, than people are yeah. maybe giving it credit for. DeAndre Swift is set to return to practice. I think he did return to practice on Wednesday. Um, you know, interim head coach Bevel was talking about Kenny Galladay potentially returning this week too. I mean, he's had more than enough time to get right. Hopefully that happens. And then, you know, we'll be in a real good position for this game to have some solid points scored. So yeah, I mean, Mitch Trubisky to me is, is a great play. And I'll, I'll definitely be considering him heavily for cash and love it for tournaments as well. And one of the reasons that we're we're in this range, you know, sub 5,500 looking at quarterback is because there are a couple of high price running backs like you referenced that, you know, everybody's going to be wanting to jam into their lineups. Of course, we're talking about Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. Dalvin Cook, 9,500 at home against Jacksonville with the Vikings having the highest implied team total, the only team total above 30 on the slate. And then Derrick Henry at 9,200 at home against Cleveland with the second highest implied team total at 29.75. Would not be surprised to see that break 30 sooner rather than later. And I mean, both of these guys set up as phenomenal DFS plays in week 13. Yeah, they're they're both great plays this week. You literally can't go wrong with either one of them, I don't think. And my lean right now, if I had to pick one, because it's going to be hard to play these two guys in your lineup I mean they take up 18.7k off of your salary so I think it's a pick them you have to pick one and my lean right now would be the big dog I mean it's time it's December he's 9200 Three hundred dollars cheaper at home. The the Titans have the second highest implied team total. Just as good of a matchup, I think. Uh, Maybe Dalvin Cook's matchup is a little bit better against Jacksonville, who can't stop anybody. And Cleveland's defense does have some players on it, but it's nothing to be afraid of. So I think I'm just going with the big dog in December in cash. Obviously, has very low receiving upside. But when he runs for 150 and five, you're 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 going to be sailing to the money. So, so give me the big dog over Dalvin Cook. But they're both great plays, and you know you can't go wrong if you play Dalvin Cook over Henry. I think. I mean, man, it's tough. It's really tough because everything about the numbers and like the analytical part of my brain is saying that you don't play Derrick Henry at 9200 in cash because you know realistically he's had one or fewer catches in the majority of games played in 2020 and. I don't see any reason why that would change. We have a large sample size of knowing that the Titans don't want to utilize him in that way. But I mean, three straight games with over 100 yards rushing coming off of a monster three touchdown game. The thing with Henry is like, you just need to basically expect for him to score two touchdowns and run for over 100 for him to pay off this salary in cash games. That being said, you know, the the common sense part of my brain, you know, the reptilian part of my mm-hmm. brain is just like, you know, lighten up like, yeah, it's Derrick Henry in December time, D. Hember, as they say. So it's like, which which side do you roll with? Do you roll with the numbers or do you roll with your heart? <laughs> and I mean, usually I'm the I'm the number guy. Uh, I'm going to yeah. roll with what the analytics say. But Derrick Henry in December at home, pretty good game environment. I think he's cheaper than Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook is also banged up. They're they're talking about lightening up his workload a little bit. Yeah. That's what the report was. Although he said he's good to go, he he's good to keep his usual workload. Uh it, I think it's it's just too hard to fade Henry because if you fade him and he puts up a 35 or 40 point game, you're just going to be sick to your stomach. Now, Dalvin Cook obviously has that in his range of outcomes as well. I mean, he's been one of the best fantasy running backs in the NFL in 2020, but I, I don't know. I think I'm just leaning towards Derrick Henry. Maybe I'm just biased because it's the big dog and I, I just don't want to fade the big dog in December. I just don't. Hey, man. That sounds good to me. I'm ready to play Derrick Henry this week. I'm, I'm all aboard. Um, In terms of like a secondary tier of running back ownership, and I mean, hey, maybe in terms of ownership, these guys will actually be close to that tier. I think that there are two guys in this mid 7K range or lo- low 7K range that are going to be popular, and that's Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara. Now, Kamara to me is a little bit shakier. I don't know how much the public is going to weight his recent games. I think there's a good chance that a lot of people will see Alvin Kamara at 7k in a good matchup and think, all right, I mean, that's a huge value, right? This is a guy who is priced 
at you know over 9,000 only two weeks ago. But on, on the other hand, his role as a receiver has gone downhill in a hurry since Taysom Hill took over. Over the last two weeks, one reception from negative two yards, just absolutely abysmal. And everybody saw Austin Eckler have a career day, you know, the most touches he's ever had last week and, and coming off of 16 targets, 11 receptions. I think it's hard not to go with Eckler if you're choosing between the two at, at 7K and 7.1 respectively. Yeah, I think Eckler is the second cash game running back that I would definitely consider. Obviously has very high reception upside with Justin Herbert at quarterback and targets kind of funnel to the running back position in Los Angeles. So I like Austin Eckler a lot at 7,100 at home, but I think Kamara is a solid GPP play. Uh, GPP pivot off of Eckler, who I expect to have ownership and then obviously leverage off of Henry and Cook. But we could talk about that when we talk about tournaments. But yeah, I, I think Eckler is the guy that we're going to target for our RB2. And I just want to I just want to bring this up real quick. It's not really about cash games. Well, God, Miles Sanders, get this man on a new team, please. <laughs> because at 6,700, I would jam him in. Okay, I would jam him in against Green Bay. But you literally can't since Doug Peterson is an absolute donkey. He's an absolute fish. This dude takes Miles Sanders off the field for Boston Scott and Corey Clement. Like, come on, bro. What are we doing? Why are we giving Miles Sanders eight touches in a game? Can you please tell me that? (laughs) Bro, just wait until Jordan Howard is out there taking snaps too. This is about to be a four-way split. Because 6,700 for Miles Sanders uh, and probably one of the best matchups on the board if not the best that that's a clear-cut value in my opinion but you just can't play them in cash games you know what helps running backs outlooks what adding mobile quarterbacks to the mix (laughs) oh bringing it back to the Jalen hurts let's go free Jalen all right um moving on to all right actually before we move on from running back I do think that there's one more running back that'll be really popular now this is not a play that I that I'm gonna co-sign but David Montgomery who had you know a monster game on Sunday night football put up 28.3 DraftKings points against Green Bay now gets a home matchup against a shaky Detroit defense one of the best matchups on the board good price 5500 but I just I just don't trust it, Joey. I mean, do you think that you'll be going to David Montgomery? Because regardless of if I do, and regardless of if you do, I think people will. Yeah, I think David Montgomery will be popular in cash games. Very cheap price tag for a player who has seen a solid workload ever since Tariq Cohen went on IR however many weeks ago. And uh, it's, it's tough because David Montgomery is not that good of a running back, right? He is really not that explosive. Um, He provides you with no upside. I know he did score 28 points, so it's kind of hard to talk crap about him after him having his best fantasy day on the season. But this guy is the definition of a floor player. He's going to get you, you know, 10 to 12 points, which is solid, right? 10 to 12 points, you'll take it. But in 2020, you need that 20, 25 point upside. And I don't think he provides you that on a weekly basis. Now, I will say he is at home in a good matchup. The offense should function better with Trubisky under center rather than Nick Foles, who's an absolute old scrub. At least Trubisky is mobile, uh, can create plays, can get out of the pocket, dump it down to David Montgomery, and he does have reception upside. So I don't hate him as a play. I don't know if I'm going to go there, especially if we play Trubisky, and especially if we play Allen Robinson, who we'll talk about right after this, most likely. So playing three Bears in cash as chalk uh yeah i don't know about that one yeah i mean i'm definitely the least excited to play david montgomery out of the three main bears i mean even out of the main four if you throw my son anthony miller in there too (laughs) yeah i mean anthony miller is is a goat tournament play obviously at min price which we'll talk about but it's it's a very good spot for david montgomery it's going to be very hard for him to fail just roster construction wise i don't know if i would play three bears in one lineup i don't know so if we're in that price range it's a little early i don't want to necessarily do a you know a deep dive on Devonte booker but he has the same price 5500 and josh jacobs got 
uh, you know, dinged in that last game. He's described as quote unquote having a shot to suit up, but I think that there's a good chance that he misses. I mean, would you be excited to play uh, Devontae Booker at 5,500 and how would you compare him to David Montgomery as a play? Obviously, the Raiders do have a higher implied team total. They're top five on the slate. Yeah, I think uh, Devontae Booker would be a solid play at 5,500 assuming he takes over Josh Jacobs workload but as a one-for-one play comparing him to David Montgomery I think I would prefer Montgomery to Devontae Booker but I I think they would both be in cash game consideration if Josh Jacobs was out I also think that we have an injury situation to monitor with the Dolphins running backs if Miles Gaskin is back or if Salvin Ahmed or Ahmed however you say it is back he is 5,000. Uh, Ahmed is 5,000. And I think he would be popular if he were to return to the lineup and Gaskin was still not activated off IR. So that that's something to monitor. I just wanted to throw that out. But other than that, I probably expect David Montgomery to catch most of the ownership in this 5 to 6K range. And then Booker right behind him if Josh Jacobs is out. All right, moving on to the high-owned plays at wide receiver. Let's talk about the Texans situation. Will Fuller, you know, yeah, I mean, this man. This f-ing, this, that, that shit pissed me off. Like, That's your boy. You bro, have him everywhere. Every I have him in every, every redraft <laughs> league that I did this season because he was, in, he was a stone value in the sixth round, fifth round. You know, sometimes even in the seventh round, depending who you're drafting with, if they don't know what they're doing. And he's having a phenomenal season, doesn't miss one game. Well, come to find out, he stays healthy because he's on roids. And I just blame Brian Cushing, okay? Brian Cushing, known for using PEDS, is on the Texans' athletic training staff. You think that's the supplier? (laughs) He's definitely the supplier. (laughs) And then Bradley Roby also got suspended for six games, probably using the same PEDS that Will Fuller used. And they definitely got it from Brian Cushing. Brian Cushing can eat a fat dick, to be honest. Because I blame yeah, him. That, that's a that's a nasty party to think about. Just the three of them shooting out pets together <laughs> in no, Houston. It's that's, probably that's some disgusting. supplement, some supplemental pills that had you know whatever's in steroids. I I don't f-ing know whatever's in steroids. They they just kept on popping the pills all season and finally got caught in week twelve, week thirteen, right before the fantasy playoffs. Thanks, Will Fuller. Shout out to you. That's. That's a tough scene. Now we're going to have, you know, a, a sixth year of me in the offseason being able to say that Will Fuller has not gone for over <laughs> 900 yards and ever. <laughs> so you shout out to me because I know I'm going to be saying that in about mm, four months from now. But let's uh, let's talk about the actual week 13 fallout. We have Brandon Cooks, who I think to me is the standout play at 5600. But people are going to be looking to play Kiki Cutie who's 3,500, and Isaiah Coulter, who I think figures to step in as the one-for-one replacement. You know, I don't think that QT's role changes that much outside of maybe, you know, another target or two, but it doesn't really affect how he'll be, you know, used on the field. QT will remain in the slot, and I think it's Isaiah Coulter who will see the biggest boost in playing time. I think Coulter's playing time will increase the most, obviously, because he's been operating as like the Texans wide receiver six before, you know, injuries and they waived Kenny Stills and now Will Fuller's done. So he's obviously going to be in the mix now, but I think Kiki Cootie's role will expand. I kind of disagree with you on that. I think he will be the Texans wide receiver two from this point moving forward at least until Randall Cobb gets back if he comes back this season. So at 3,500, I think he's going to be the highest owned Texans wide receiver just because he is 3,500 and Brandon Cooks is, what, 5,600? And then I don't think Coulter will have any ownership at all. I mean, I I don't think people are going to play a minimum price bum who we have no idea how many snaps he's going to play if he's even a talented wide receiver. So I don't think anybody's going to go there and people will play play cootie for sure people will play cooks for sure at 5600 and you know i think they're good plays uh obviously not an ideal matchup going up against one of the better defenses in the nfl but the colts defense has gotten exposed in recent weeks so i wouldn't be too scared of the matchup uh and i would expect cootie to be more owned than brandon cooks i think but i I could be wrong on that i could see it 
just because of the price discrepancy, but which of the two would you personally be more inclined to play? Because for me, I think it's Cooks. I just think that there's more upside, and I think that he's a better player, and I think that Deshaun Watson will lean on him more heavily, you know, in the absence of Will Fuller. Yeah, I I think... I think that's fair to assume that. Personally, I think I would lean taking the savings, almost 2000 in savings to Cootie. Um, he'd, he'd probably be the better point per dollar play and would allow you some flexibility in your cash game lineup, you know, to maybe fit those two high priced running backs and some of the receivers that we're going to talk about in a couple seconds. So my lean right now would be Cootie over Cooks, but I, I really don't fault anybody for playing Cooks. Uh, especially when no Will Fuller there anymore. He's he's going to get peppered with targets. So Yeah. Um, so in terms of some other chalky wide receivers, I think that two of the chalkiest wide receivers will be attached to the chalky quarterbacks that we discussed. Mm-hmm. And that'll be Allen Robinson at 6,700 to be paired with Trash Biscuit. And then we've also got Devontae Parker at 6,400 to be paired with Fitzmagic. Uh, do you have a lean between these two guys? Do you like one more than the other? Are they both great plays? How are you feeling about these two guys priced within 300 of each Oh, other? I'm playing both. No cap. Mm. I'm playing, yeah, auto locks. Allen Robinson at 6,700. Great play at home against a Detroit secondary. That is not good. They literally can't stop anybody. You would know that. And Allen Robinson has... You know, he's gotten targets. He's literally been one of the highest targeted wide receivers in the NFL. Now, I know most of these games have been with Nick Foles, but in the first two weeks with Trubisky, he had nine targets in each game. And then Trubisky got benched in the Atlanta game. So I'm not sure how many he had with them, or I'm not sure how many he had in that game with Trubisky at quarterback. But then Trubisky comes back last week, gives Allen Robinson 13 targets, and he's just the guy in Chicago. He's the clear-cut number one wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And if you're getting, you know, a 30, 35% target share guy in Allen Robinson at 6,700, yeah, auto lock, okay? And then we move on to Devontae Parker, 6,400. Just take everything I said with (laughs) Allen Robinson and put that on Devontae Parker, but he's $300 cheaper in a great matchup as well okay so just just substitute Allen robinson with what i said for Devontae parker and they're literally the best plays on the board this week i think at wide receiver wow i mean yeah it's hard to disagree with you i'm a little bit more excited to play Allen robinson i just think that he is you know a significantly better actual player for only 300 more but i mean how much does that really matter probably not that much so i i love both of these guys as plays And Allen Robinson's targets have just been super safe. I know that, you know, there's some turmoil between him and the Bears. I know maybe you saw on Twitter, he's been liking a bunch of people's tweets, you know, tweeting him, telling them to, you know, join their team, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that, you know, maybe him and Mitch Trubisky go on a little run here to end the the season as two guys who might not be with the Bears in 2021. (laughs) So I, I definitely like that. Yeah, Robinson, nine or more targets in nine out of 11 games, just phenomenal and and such a good matchup for him this week. Love both of those plays. In terms of chalk at tight end, who, who do you think will be the highest on this this week? Yeah, I think that Darren Waller could be chalky at 6,100. Could be wrong on that, but he was chalk last week with Kelsey and was only 6,000 in a great matchup. Now he's still in a great matchup, 6,100 against the Jets. So I, I think I could see ownership going to him up top. People, you know, have this weird infatuation with paying up to tight end that, you know, we're not on if the listeners know anything about us. It's, it's always paid down. So, you know, who's the pay down tight end that's going to be chalky? I think that's Robert Tunyon, 3,700. I think he is the lowest priced tight end that you go in cash games unless Jonu Smith is out. Now, I know it's only Wednesday. It's currently 543 when we're recording this and he missed practice on Wednesday and this podcast comes out on Thursday. A lot can change. But if Jonu is out, Anthony Ferks are at 2,500. I'll say it right now. I'm locking him in if Jonu's out, but obviously just going to continue under the assumption that he's not out 
And then Robert Tunyon would probably be my preferred option at 3,700. Great matchup at home against an Eagles defense that gives up points to players who function over the middle of the field. Their defense funnels targets to the middle of the field, and that is where Robert Tunyon operates. They're one of the worst defenses against tight ends, and at 3,700, it's just a very cheap price tag for a player that, you know, he has gotten targets and you know, in his range of outcomes, there is one to two target games for sure. But I mean, at 3,700, I'll take that any day of the week in terms of, you know, a wide range of outcomes for in terms of targets. So I think I'm leaning towards him as chalk. And I think he is probably one of the best tight end plays on the board this week. There, There's not much else at tight end, I think. Yeah. Um, so I agree with basically everything that you just said, Darren Waller. I mean, you're just a stone weirdo if you're paying up for tight end on DraftKings in 2020. Uh, so, you know, get a hold of your life. Tanyan to me is definitely a standout play. I mean, did you know he is the, the tight end four in PPR this year? Just, I know some of that's boosted from that one massive game he had, but still, I mean, it's good and it's a good way to get cheap exposure at 3,700 to, you know, one of the higher implied team totals on the slate in the Packers at 28 and it's a good matchup. So I think everything about Tunyon, you know, is setting up well. I also think that Mike Gesicki will be pretty popular because he's cheap at 4,200 and, you know, he has that big 32nd next to his name in terms of opponent rank on DraftKings. Now, I don't know exactly, you know, what their 32nd in because it's not in receptions allowed to tight end it's not in fantasy points allowed to tight end but you know i think that casuals at least will see that 32nd see the price tag and jam gasicki in there especially if they're playing fits yeah i i definitely could see gasicki having some ownership at 4200 but he has been cheap all season and hasn't been at, owned at all literally in anything like in cash games tournaments etc and those were games with fitzpatrick earlier in the season so I, I don't, I'm not too sure about Kasiki, but I think he will have ownership and I mean if you want to go there I think he is a he's a good play um it's just the Dolphins they use a lot of tight ends for some reason like you'll see Smith in there getting targets you'll see Adam Shaheen in there getting touchdowns and some other scrub I forgot his name that they that they rotate in sometimes so it's it's like a it's like a four tight end room in Miami. So that's something to be wary of, but I don't mind Gasicki. All right, let's move on to optimal cash game lineup construction. We've hit on a lot of this stuff already, but we can just run through these real quick. You know, in terms of being on team jam them in, I think Joey alluded to it. And I think I agree that it's probably going to be a pick em between these two guys. It seems like it is very detrimental to the overall balance of your lineup if you try and jam both. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point. You're not going to be able to fit both in cash game. So it's essentially a pick em. Like I said, I lean Derrick Henry, but obviously don't fault anybody for going with Dalvin Cook. But yeah, you definitely can only play one. If you play two, I think that just hurts the overall upside of your lineup because you're gonna have to pay down for like three or four players uh if you play both yeah and that'll kind of take you out of like the Allen robinson Devonte parker yeah. tier i think so and we're both pretty bullish on those guys so in terms of roster construction that's where we stand at running back i mean i'm also with the same point that joey made earlier that i think austin eckler is just such a good play at 7100 uh joey do you have any insight in terms of you know, how you think he'll match up against your New England Patriots. They haven't been that giving to receiving running backs in 2020 up to this point. I mean, matchup wise, Austin Eckler, you know, should eat against the Patriots slow ass linebacking court, right? But Belichick makes it a point to take away the opposing team's best players and Eckler and Keenan Allen are obviously the best players on the Chargers. So we could see a game plan where they try and take away Eckler and the ground game and make a rookie quarterback beat them through the air. You know, if you're just a basic football fan, you would know that Bill Belichick literally eats alive rookie quarterbacks. Like I'm pretty sure his record is something crazy, like 25 and two or, or something stupid like that against opposing rookie quarterbacks. So I think that's the game plan for New England. 
but I think this is a spot where Eckler can can still get there on catches alone. But rushing wise, I think it could be a tough game for him. But I mean, the Patriots defense is nothing to be scared of. So no concern. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kenyon Drake had his best game of the season last week. And I think Austin Eckler is definitely a superior player to Kenyon Drake as we stand right now in week 13, 2020. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Eckler have a good game. And we kind of touched on it, but between him and Kamara, I think that they'll both project pretty well, but it's just so uncertain how Kamara is going to be used. I mean, they had four rushing touchdowns the Saints did last week and Kamara had none of them. And Austin Eckler had, what, 23 DraftKings points without a touchdown just straight off of his rushing and receiving usage. So to me, he is the superior running back play between the two by a decent margin. And then we kind of touched on DeMont and Booker as plays that we would consider were a little less bullish on DeMont with more interest in the Bears passing game in this spot. We'll have to wait and see about Booker, about the Dolphins. And I think Kareem Hunt is is slightly interesting, you know, all the way down at 5,400 and could see some usage, especially if the Titans get up ahead in this, in this game, but uh, probably not for cash, to be honest. Yeah, and I know this has nothing to do with uh, what we're just talking about, but I just have to ask you, are you interested in playing Chris Carson in cash at 6,300? I mean, he stands out, right? The Seahawks have a really high implied team total, 29, but he was eased back in. Uh, In this most recent game against Philly, he only had um, 10 touches total, got there kind of with a touchdown to save himself, but they, they utilized Carlos Hyde over him, you know, potentially easing him back in. I know there's been some talk about them shifting to being more of a run focused team, which like, God, why would they do that when Wilson's been absolutely destroying? But I mean, who knows? I think that Carson is a little shaky. I think that I would be comfortable going there in in tournaments but if i'm if i'm at 6300 i'm gonna find the extra money to get up to eckler or i'll just go down to you know david montgomery booker or even your boy wayne gallman potentially in that same game (laughs) yeah wayne gallman is my son shout out to wayne gallman but yeah I, i don't mind chris carson it just sucks to see them actually ease him back in and give carlos hyde more touches and more snaps last week, but I think we could see Carson become the touch leader again this week. So I think he's a good play at 6,300. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on him for cash games. I probably wouldn't go there either, but I honestly don't mind him. But other than that, I don't really see any other running backs I would consider. I think my cash pool of running backs is the is the two top guys, Eckler, and then the two 5,500 guys at this point. Yep, I, I agree with that for sure. And so we're going to be punting at quarterback most likely. I mean, I would say that there's like an 80% chance as it stands here on Wednesday afternoon that I'm going to be playing a quarterback 6K or under. But if things change... Does anybody stand out to you as a payup option for cash games? Herbert, probably not as a rookie, like you said, going against Belichick. I think Aaron Rodgers is interesting with the team total there and with how consistent he's been, 25 or more points. And I think five out of the last six on DraftKings going up against a Philly defense that I'm not too scared of. And also, I mean, semi-interesting at least, I think, is Taysom Hill at 6,300 just because of how much rushing work he's been getting. 20 attempts rushing over the past two weeks, four rushing touchdowns. I mean, at 6,300, that that's a lot of rushing production out of a quarterback in what should be a decent game with the Saints traveling to Atlanta. Yeah, so just touching on Taysom Hill, I probably won't go there in cash games, but I don't mind playing him alone in tournaments, uh, a naked Taysom Hill. As they say in the industry, I, I wouldn't mind that, but I probably won't go there in cash. He has no passing upside. This is literally a running back slash tight end slash uh kick returner playing quarterback for the Saints so no shot on playing him in cash at 6300 but just touching on Aaron Rodgers I think 6800 is too cheap for Rodgers and you know he's one of the best plays on the board this week at the quarterback position I can't believe they don't have this man above 7k like like that's just incredible. Um, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, top three, and he he's just had phenomenal games. I mean, over the last what five six weeks, he's put up minimum 
25 points on DraftKings. So I don't think you can go wrong playing Rodgers at home against an Eagles defense that is nothing to be afraid of. And 6,800 is a cheap price tag for a player of Rodgers caliber. So I, I like Rodgers a lot. If you want to go there in cash games, I don't hate it, but I, I think it's pay down week at quarterback. But obviously some people are still going to pay up to these high ceiling guys. And Rodgers would be the guy for me if, if I was going that route. All right. And at tight end, finally to cap up this cash game section, I think that hopefully people learned their lesson last week, you know, in terms of paying up. I, I, like you said, I could still see Waller being semi-popular, people's weird infatuation with paying up for tight end. It's inexplainable, but assuming that our listeners specifically aren't just brain dead fish, <laughs> <laughs> let's help them find the right tight end value for cash. We already talked about Bob Tanyan as a standout play, Gesicki potentially. Is there anybody else that you're looking towards at cash? I think that TJ Hawkinson sets up well, but he's a little bit pricey up there at 5k. And I could see some people chasing Evan Ingram who had a monster day last week going up against Seattle. Yeah. So I think for cash games, I'm going to play a tight end that is 4,300 or under. I think Dallas Goddard is interesting and he functions as the Eagles number one option in the entire offense. So I, I don't mind him at 4,300, but Zach Ertz could be back. Um, he was activated from IR today and that would, uh, hurt. Dallas Goddard's upside, but I still wouldn't mind him at 4,300. We talked about Gasicki, like him a lot. Talk, talked about Tunyon, like him a lot. I mean, I don't mind Hayden Hurst or Austin Hooper if you want to go there, but I think I would, I would just take the cheaper option in Tunyon at that point. And then like I mentioned in the uh, chalk section, if it happens, if John was out, I'm playing Anthony Ferkser at 2,500, 100%. No cap. Yep. I could definitely see it. I mean, right now I'm thinking Tunyon, potentially Ferkser, assuming we find out some more about John Smith's status. And I think Cole Komet as well is a name that's going to go overlooked. Also 2,500, the min price pairs well with my boy Trash Biscuit. And I mean, I think we've officially seen the shift happen as as far as the Bears tight end. I mean, Komet was a second round pick, right? Over the last two weeks, Jimmy Graham went from playing 58% of snaps all the way down to 35% last week. Komet's been on the field for 70% or more in each of the last two weeks, all the way up to 79% of snaps last week. And at min price in a good matchup, I think that there's some viability there. Not sure if I would go there in cash. I think I may prefer Ferkser more if we find out Johnny's out. But in terms of, at least in tournaments, I think that he would be a great, you know, punt play to, to you know, round out a double stack with Trubisky. Yeah, I don't mind Komet, especially since, like you said, the transition is happening or has happened I should say and if he's out there you know playing 70% of snaps it's just you know you gotta hope that he gets targets um and the Bears tight end group hasn't been targeted heavily this season but Komet is their second round pick that they drafted and I I think he is way more athletic than Jimmy Graham and could be a factor into the offense especially in the red zone so I don't mind him at 2,500. Probably want to go there in cash games if Ferkser is available. But yeah, I like him for tournaments a lot. And I don't think anybody's going to be on that. No, I don't think so either. Let's move on to tournament strategy, leverage stacks, long shots. You could take it in any direction that you'd like to. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best stacks on the board this week is the bear stack. I mean, we they're going to be popular for sure, but you can definitely get different by playing some of the cheaper options in the game like Darnell Mooney, who is 3,400, has a bunch of air yards, bunch of targets in recent weeks. He's not going to be popular. Anthony Miller, your boy who won you your tournament in week one is 3,100. You can go there. Cole Komet, like you just mentioned, or you can go there to get off of some of the other tight end chalk and play a high upside guy at the min price. So I like the bear stack a lot this week. <laughs> it might be uh, all aboard the uh, Chicago Bears train in tournaments for week 13. God, never thought I would say that. The sick thing is I'm right there with you. And I mean, I'm looking back at the week one price when I played Anthony Miller and he was 5K. I mean, he's fallen all the way to 3,100. I, I feel like I absolutely have to play him in my Trubisky stacks. And he's had 
good targets. His last four games in terms of targets, 11, 8, 7, and 6. I mean, it's it's going in the wrong direction consecutively down in every game. But still, I mean, if we get six targets, 3,100, just need him to fall into the end zone against the Lions. I think that, you know, Miller is a great play at 3,100, you know, as the double stack option there with Trubisky. My question to you is, you know, who are we bringing it back with on the Lions? It's not a good matchup for DeAndre Swift, but he will be returning. I think he's an explosive player and will probably be extremely under-owned at 6,500. Um, you know, we could potentially see Galladay back at 6K or Marvin Jones, 5,700. I mean, who are you bringing it back with from the Lions side? I mean, my preferred option would be Kenny Galladay if he's back because 6K for a player of Kenny Galladay's caliber is way too cheap and he has historically beaten the Bears, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you you would probably know that better than me. Fuller has Fuller has nothing on my son, Kenny. <laughs> Preferred option would be Galladay. I wouldn't mind playing Marvin Jones, but let's say Galladay's out. I think you can run it back with DeAndre Swift, and I also think you can run it back with TJ Hawkinson. You know, so you could yeah. pay up. Uh, I mean, five K is not really paying up, but it, it is paying up in this tight end, you know, era of, of DraftKings. So you could pay up to TJ Hawkinson at five K and play, you know, Trubisky double stack with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. I like that a lot this week, to be honest. Like, mm. yeah, I like that a lot too. And, and Hawkinson was just a couple of yards, eleven yards away from the bonus. Would have had a bigger game in that Thanksgiving performance. Lions going to have 10 days of rest might you know might come up all juiced all, all the players hated Patricia now he's gone I could see some juice coming out of the lion side of the ball and their interim coach talked about using pace as a weapon so I think that that's encouraging too just for the overall game environment so mm-hmm. I, I, I do like that stack and I like Hawkinson and Swift and obviously Galladay if he plays as the bringbacks One of my favorite stacks goes hand in hand with leverage so I guess you could call it both here but I, I like attacking the passing game of the Tennessee Titans here going with a Ryan Tannehill to AJ Brown stack I think is strong leverage off of Derrick Henry who we're expecting to be one of if not the highest owned plays on the slate AJ Brown to me I've been thinking about this to me he profiles as kind of like you know a younger Tyreek Hill now they're not like the same player they're not built the same but you look at it and he's getting there off of just absolutely insane efficiency monster games huge long catches no games with 10 or more targets so you're not getting that out of AJ Brown which you know takes him squarely out of cash consideration for me but I mean god this man can break the slate he's so explosive and I think that you know we could definitely see a spot where Derrick Henry gets vultured um, it's happened many times as as hype as we are about Dehember, I think, yeah, Tannehill to AJ Brown, maybe a double stack with Ferks or if, if that opens up could make a lot of sense. And it gives you the opportunity to, you know, double down on, you know, leverage off of Henry and maybe play Nick Chubb in that stack at 7,700, who it'll be hard to play in conjunction with Derrick Henry, because unlike last week where we saw Naheem Hines and Derrick Henry in the same lineup in the same game, win a million dollars for somebody. I think that Henry and Chubb correlate pretty negatively with one another. And really only one of them, I think can hit their ceiling game in this game. So if if it's not going to be Henry, I think it, it makes sense that it could be Chubb. Yeah, and I definitely like that game stack a lot. I mean, it, it should be one of the highest scoring games on the slate. And we know that Chubb and Henry have big playability. They can score a touchdown at any given moment, which in turn speeds up the game, more plays, more opportunities to score. So I like both of them a lot. And I don't think Nick Chubb, will be that popular this week. I mean, 7,700 for a player that everybody knows is splitting work with Kareem Hunt. Uh, we could see Nick Chubb start start to get the lion's share of the work in Cleveland, but Hunt will still factor into the backfield. So I, I like that call a lot. One game that I'm looking towards in tournaments this week is the Rams Cardinals game. I think that game has a lot of fantasy potential with two offenses that operate at faster paces. It could be one of the fastest paced games on the slate. And obviously we know more plays equals more opportunity to score fantasy points. And we're getting Cooper Cup at 6,100, Robert Woods at 5,900, and Jared Goff at 5,800. God, those are cheap price tags for all of those guys and we know that 
we know that the, those three players have high ceilings. They have 30 plus point ceilings in their range of outcomes against a Cardinals defense that can't rush the passer. They are bottom five in terms of rushing the passer. So I, I like the Ram side of the ball in that game. And then obviously you can bring it back with DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk, you know, Andy Isabella of Larry Fitzgerald's out. So there, there's a lot of potential in that game, I think. And it could go overlooked. Maybe not. Uh, who knows? I don't know. But that's one of the games that I'm looking towards. Yeah, I, I don't think that that game will have too much ownership. 48 and a half total. Um, ni- neither of the team totals are that high. The Rams have the higher one at 25.75. People are, you know, sinking their their um confidence i would say in the cardinals their their team totals all the way down under 23 so yeah i think that this game will be you know definitely underlooked in terms of ownership and if you're feeling bullish on it then i would definitely take a stab in tournaments I, i'm gonna get bold here maybe unsurprisingly if you follow me on twitter but i mean come on 4800 in the nut matchup <laughs> colt mccoy stacked with my boy Darius Slayton, aka Godius. I mean, what a phenomenal week for the Godius Challenge and the Millie Maker. The stack builds itself, and I'm going to be firing this one off. The Giants ran the most plays that they ran all season last week. Um, you know, finally, potentially a quarterback upgrade in Colt McCoy <laughs> off of Danny Dimes. <laughs> Is Colt McCoy an upgrade? I, I don't. I mean, he, he can't be a downgrade. True, true. Um, yeah, I mean. If you want to get kind of crazy and play the Giants on the road against Seattle, obviously one of the best matchups, not one of, it's the best matchup on the board for the Giants passing offense. I I just don't feel comfortable playing Colt McCoy and DFS, but the price tag is cheap. So I wouldn't mind, you know, just burning a lineup or two, throwing that stack into a tournament. I don't know. If I would do it in single entries, I think I would probably reserve that, obviously, for the large field stuff. Uh, I know you said the yeah. Millie Maker. I would probably run a lineup with that in the Millie Maker, but uh, Cole McCoy is just disgusting. And, you know, Slayton, he's been very inconsistent this season, so it's, it's truly hard to play them in DFS. But It is, it is. But, I mean... Yeah, like you said, elite matchup, it, very, very much only large field, extremely large field uh, GPP play there. But I mean, there's some natural bringbacks with Lockett and DK Metcalf. They're both priced up, and I don't think that they'll come with you know too much ownership this week, especially DK Metcalf all the way at 8,200. But I guess we'll have to see on that. You have anything else for tournament strategy? Uh, no, I, I think we covered a good amount. Um, I think it's clear what games we like for tournaments and, you know, just for leverage, I, I just don't think anybody is going to gravitate towards the high and QB stack. So Russell Wilson, you know, to DK Metcalf and Lockett or Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. And obviously we know that they have incredible upside. So I wouldn't be afraid to target them in tournaments, especially. And I will say, I think Russell Wilson will have ownership for sure. Him, him, DK and Lockett will have ownership. So I shouldn't say that's leverage, but Kyler Murray, uh, Deshaun Watson, maybe even Justin Herbert, I think will have lower ownership than some of the guys around them. And I, I like them a lot in tournaments. Do you think Adams will be highly owned? We haven't really talked about him. He's 9K, highest priced wide receiver on the slate. And I mean, he could pretty easily, I think, beat both of the running backs in terms of total points. So that could definitely make sense for tournaments, especially if you're trying to play Rodgers. But I mean, God, it's just really hard to play a 9K wide receiver. It's definitely out of play for cash, but I don't see it being overly popular this week in tournaments. Maybe that's a spot that we attack. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And if I had to take a guess, I think he'll come around 10% owned. You know, you're never going to get Devonte Adams at one percent ownership because then obviously he'd yeah. be a god tier GBP play no matter his salary. I think he'll come in around 10, 15 percent, which is standard for a player of Adams caliber at that salary. So I, I like him in tournaments, especially if you're playing Rodgers. Um, you would just have to find you know salary savers elsewhere, where whether that be your other two wide receiver spots or running back, but. Yeah, I don't mind the Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams stack this week. I think that could be a tournament winner. All right, let's move on to our final segment, 
you know, this segment used to be called best bets. We might have to change the name to worst bets or, you know, buried bets, you know, cause we're completely buried right now. Joey down to 50%. I mean, I'm all the way down at 41% in terms of hits this year through the first 12 weeks. We need to turn this around because we're running out of time. I mean, we'll probably keep shooting these off deep into the playoffs, but I mean, we might be bankrupt and have to sell our computers and not be able to record this mm-hmm. podcast anymore if we don't start hitting. Yeah, it's it's been a tough stretch for us to say the least. And, you know, I think that one of my favorite games, one of my favorite teams to target in DFS is the Bears. And they are minus three this week against the Lions. I think this is a spot where the Bears cover three points against the Lions at home. Divisional game. True Bisky is back, a.k.a. Trash Biscuit. Give, give me the Bears minus three. And I, I don't feel too good about it, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God. Bet, betting on Mitch Trubisky, maybe that's how we ended up where we are. I don't, I don't know. All right, I'll give another pick. My The more confident pick that I have is the Raiders minus eight. Taking a team uh, with their spread against the, Je- against the Jets is always a good strategy, especially in 2020. So give me the Raiders minus eight as well. Two picks. Bears minus three, Raiders minus eight. All right. I think that that is fair. And I'm going to take two bets as well. Um, The first is going to be the under in Tennessee Cleveland, which is currently the highest total game on the slate at 54. Um, I think that both of these teams will be able to find success, but I think that both of them are going to be extremely run heavy as well. And I mean, all it takes is, you know, a couple red zone trips with field goals. I don't think there will be an overwhelming amount of possessions in this game. So I think just, you know, the, the way that this game could fly by with all the rushing attempts might, you know, allow it to hit the under. Uh, it, it opened at 52. It's up to 54. So I think if, if you know, maybe it's just closer to that 52 where it opened, I think that we could be in the money there. And I'm also going to take, you know, you took the minus eight on the Raiders. I'm going to take another big spread here with the Packers at home minus nine. Usually I don't like to bet, you know, teams that are favored by so many points. I think it's it's sometimes hard to win a game by that much in the NFL, but I mean, Carson Wentz is God awful. I've talked about it all podcast long. I don't think that they're going to be going into Green Bay and finding much success. I think they're going to get their boots absolutely smoked by Rodgers. Okay, and I think I'm right there with you. So hopefully we don't get swept again in our bets because that would be a tough scene. An absolute tough scene. But that is going to be it for us for episode 112 of the DFS Dose podcast. Like Joey said at the top of the show, you can help support us for free by following on a myriad of our platforms, whether that be the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. You can also hit the sub button on YouTube. I think we're one away from 130, so you can help us be uh, you know, above that mark finally, and then support us uh, by following on Twitter at the DFS dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Joey, tell them where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Carrion DFS. All right, guys, let's make some strong plays in week 13. Sail to the money, and we will be back on Monday with our week 13 recap podcast. We'll talk to you then.